everybody. This is I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm Donnie, your residential Degrassi veteran. I'm Frank, the baby. So we're here with episode five. It's called Parents' Day. <laughs> this, <laughs> this had such a consequential A plot and such non-consequential B and C plots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went again with like the ABC nonsense and like... I'm not opposed to the ABC plot. I think that's fine. I think a lot of teen dramas do it, and I think it can work. And, and Degrassi has done it well, but there's something about the past two episodes with this really experimental way of going about things that, like you said, it's just, it feels like it doesn't matter. It feels like I didn't need one of these plots. But before we get too hard into that, let's do like a really brief summary, I guess, of what happened in this episode. Alright, first, it's Parents' Day, and everybody's parents are coming to school, though the only parents we actually see are Toby's parents. Because we need another episode with Toby in in any role of prominence. It feels like literally every single episode we have had Toby. Okay, sorry, go on. <laughs> um, I was going to say, for, for the ensemble show, this is quite turning to the Toby show. Anyway, um... So, but he's nervous because his mother is coming to school, um, and his, not his stepmother, his, or, I guess, I don't know if Al- Ashley's mother counts as his stepmother yet. We not- still have not figured out how exactly to refer to their, their <laughs> parental situation. Like, uh, for whatever reason, like, the language is not coming to me, and, like, they're too close together. It feels almost impersonal to be, like... Toby's father's girlfriend, because, like, they have, like, this parental presence for each other already. She made him watch porn. That's a mom move. Yeah, like, right? Like, I feel like we're beyond the, like, this is my, this is my dad's girlfriend. That's a shitty mom move. Yeah, like, they're, they're taking on parental control, like, way too much to be impersonal at this point. Anyway. Um, so his, his birth mother is coming and whenever the two are, whenever Toby's father and uh, birth mother are in the room, they begin fighting. And Toby does not want this to happen. So he is willing to um, do whatever it takes to make this not happen. And that includes forging a teacher's signature. Mm, we'll get to that because I, so- <laughs> I have a lot to say. <laughs> the, <laughs> the B plot is that Ashley wants an agent because she wants to start acting. Um, oh, God. And the C-plot is Emma is against capitalism. Or yeah. Or like, <laughs> turning against gross product placement. Yeah, I think that about sums up all of these plots in the rough, in the rough sense. It's, um... Oh boy. So this episode is an interesting one because of the fact that like we have all these plots going on but we have this this idea of parents day which I guess for us US folks it's it feel, like I'm pretty certain it's just back to school night. I don't know if Canada call, ever calls it back to school night but like in the US we have back to school night where you like have the parents come in and they get to meet with the teachers. Although this one was very involved because there was some sort of conference component to it which is like quite a bit for some for like just at the beginning of the year but according to mr simpson toby had a lot of material to go off of anyway like <laughs> it's like two weeks into school and it feels like they had like five quizzes who's grading all of those not me that's for sure we, we had a physics teacher when i was in high school who graded our homework and so just being like good you did it who cares and then i guess he just got sick of us after a while and he just stopped showing up. Like, he just oh, didn't no. show up one day. And us being the goody two-shoes we were, um, we called out of the office like, hey, uh, we're about 30 minutes in. We don't have a teacher. And then You did we, the right thing. Then we didn't have a teacher for, like, five months. <gasps> oh, my God. I still got an A in the class, though. Well, uh, there's no other material to go off of. Like, it's like, I guess you get one. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, okay, so, ah, this is a hard episode to watch as a teacher, because, like, 
I don't really know a teacher that actually enjoys interacting with parents. <laughs> I I don't. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. Like, there are good parents, and I don't want to make it sound like, like, it's ever, like, oh, like, I hate parents, or, like, I hate adults type deal. Like, I find parents, it's always nerve-wracking, right? Like, you're always, like, having to perform into a certain extent, and you're always, like, really nervous. And, like, the... There's just so much going on where I was watching it, particularly with Toby's. So, like, Toby's whole entire story, it moves to this point where the parents have to meet with Snake. (laughs) And I had the worst anxiety watching this happen because, of course, Toby's parents, like, start fighting. And they start, like, getting in each other's faces over, like, who is taking care of him and who is responsible for his homework and he's staying at his father's house and that's supposed to be good for him and blah, 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 blah. And I, like... I've been there. (laughs) I have been there. And it is the most mortifying experience as a teacher. Like, of all the experiences that I have as a teacher, the most horrifying part of it has been, like, dealing with parents fighting. Um, And of all the things that we can kind of tease about this episode, of all the things that we can kind of mock about this episode, um, how Toby feels during that is so real. Like... Personally, as a teacher, like, I've tried to just focus on the student because usually the student feels, maybe doesn't always say it, but feels like Toby does in that moment. Like, absolutely upset, um, feeling that it's all their fault, like, feeling that they are the one to be blamed in all of this when really it's just the fact that your parents just have no interpersonal skills, are unable to kind of make this work. Um, And, like, being the teacher in that situation, like, it just gave me this really visceral feeling watching it unfold. It was just, it was rough. That was rough. Yeah, like, it's, like, it does its job. Like, it takes you there, like, to, yeah. like, I'm not even, like, I'm not even, yeah, I'm not a teacher, but, like, I can totally understand why it's much worse to talk to parents as opposed to, like, be observed, which, you know, I know it's a thing teachers have to do. Oh, yeah. Because it's just, like, the observer guy, well, I'm doing this because it's my job. And as anybody who does their job is just like, eh, I don't care so much some days and, like, whatnot. But with parents, they're like, I have a vested interest in this. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so I'm going to be way crazier. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's always really rough when it comes to teachers be, um, interacting with parents because it's like, you have, I understand that the parents have good intentions, but they are human. And, you know, you don't want to, as a teacher, jump in and say, like, hey, you're being a bad parent. Like, I'm sure, like, you know, the way Snake is, like, you can kind of sense, like, you know, of course, like, if he could have, he would have just been like, hey, you're screwing up. (laughs) And trust me, like, as a teacher, like, I've had those moments where it's like, can you not see that you are hurting your child right now? And it's rough because it's like, who are you to intervene and, 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 you know, coach somebody on how to parent? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's extraordinarily rough. There's just this... I know we're kind of jumping into the heavy part of this, but, like, that's one of my main takeaways from this episode. I mean, it's such a... It's, like, such a centerpiece of this episode. Yeah. And, like, everything else is just... In this episode, there's just so much chaff, like... Yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of fluff. Or maybe not even, like... I has, like I hate to call Emma's plot fluff, because I, I do think that Emma's plot is kind of bringing up some valid points, but juxtaposed to Toby, who also, like, you know, we're talking about the, the final scene, like, not really the final final scene, but, like, the, the scene where everything kind of comes to a head and his parents are, are next to each other and they're confronting each other. But, like, the whole entire episode, he has this mounting anxiety. And, like, we can kind of tease about the letter that he writes, which, by the way, like, they talk about some of the typos in it, but, like, I don't know if you actually got to, like, take a... Like, I paused to look at the letter. <laughs> oh, wee! There are... It's more than just what they said. I think they said, like, two or three typos, but, like, if you pause it and look, like, almost every other word is misspelled or, like, it's <laughs> grammatically incorrect. It's wild. Um, but, like, I mean, we can laugh about that, and to a certain extent we can, and, like, it's certainly something we can laugh at in spite of the pain that Toby's going through, but, like... There is so much mounting anxiety for him and the way that he's behaving. And it's like, it, it really, like, at first I was kind of rolling my eyes. I was like, ah, oh, another Toby episode. Like, I'm so tired of Toby. And, like, I know he wasn't always the focus of every episode, but I felt like he was always there and he's always has prominence. But, like, as I watched it, I was 
I, by the end of it, I was like, oh, God, like, yeah, no, I care about this kid. I'm worried about this kid. And like, you know, he's not forgiven for some of his his errors in some of the earlier episodes. But um, like, I still feel for him a lot. Ugh, it was hard. It was it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so I'll just the other B plot um, is that Paige and Ashley are vying for the attention of Toby's mom because Toby's mom is a casting agent mm-hmm. of uh, so I that's about it like and I was just yeah yeah I, honestly I was just like why this like why this episode this has to come up like or why does it have to be Toby's mom because it just feels like just so incongruous <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean I guess to a certain extent I'm not gonna fully fault Degrassi for having this be the like other plot of this especially because it's like they needed her to have a career that she was super busy and like i feel like this was kind of a way for them to shoehorn another subplot into it pretty or like you know more organically than if they didn't um because it's like it's very clear that she's very busy i mean if you listen to like what her visitation rights are like toby only sees her every other weekend she doesn't get a weekday like a lot of uh parental agreements have so like i think what they were kind of going for is like she's so involved that she um she's so involved in her professional life that she physically may not be able to facilitate seeing toby during the week and then i guess they were like that's kind of heavy let's kind of lighten up the mood with this like weird cat fight type like one-upping each other nonsense you want to know what was good about that subplot, though? <laughs> that Terry got it? I mean, yes, we'll get to that part. But I was going to say, Paige's ridiculous <laughs> outfit. gold top. Oh, my God. Okay, I wrote it down. All right, it's a crop top. And it's like a snakeskin, but overlaid over the snakeskin is like this glitter. Okay, so I don't want to misspeak. But, like, I think a lot of dress code stuff is nonsense oh god don't even get me started i just went over dress coats with my kids go on (laughs) it's like how is Paige getting away with half of these outfits um well i mean if you want to you want to take it on the heavy route oh no she's white so if we want to kind of play like the whole like why why would Paige be able to get away with wearing this like dress coats they they favor white kids like through and through like statistically speaking in pretty i can't speak to canadian research because i haven't really looked at canadian research but if we're talking like united states research like as a white kid you can get away with so much dress code violations meanwhile if you weren't a white kid you would get dress coded literally every day for the outfits that Paige wears uh you're I, I know you're right. Like, it just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do, if I recall correctly, Degrassi, correct, I'm not, you know, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering it and combining a bunch of things. I feel like dress code gets addressed eventually in this show. I don't know how hard it goes. Like, I don't remember it, but, like, I feel like it's something they have to do, even if I can't specifically remember it. Like, I feel like it's just a part of, like, teen life. Yeah. It's like, dress codes. Oh, like, don't even get me started. Like I said, my, like, my kids have, and I have been talking about it in class, so it's been, like, it's been a time. Ugh, it's just such nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, like, she, like, looks like, she looks straight up like an early aughts pop star. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's some Britney stuff going up. on. Oh, my God. There is some Britney Spears nonsense <laughs> happening. But, like, what I loved about that, okay, so she's dressed up, like, kind of like this Britney Spears knockoff, and then, like, Ashley dresses up like... Like, she's about to do, like, some poetry at, like, a coffee house. Like, she's wearing, like, this, like, black turtleneck. She has, like, her eyes, like, lined with black eyeliner. Like, I... What? (laughs) It was like, I want the agent to notice me. I'm like... As I fade into the background. Yeah, like, it was like... And play the bongos. Right? Like, that's, like, I couldn't figure out what they were going for with that one. Like... (laughs) Um. but yeah so like so like their whole plot is like they're trying to fight with each other they're trying to one-up each other and then the whole entire twist of it all is that terry gets noticed which like 
by the way, like, we had no emotional closure or fallout from the plot before, the episode before, which was my fear. Yeah. We've had nothing, like, really addressed. Terry is just kind of following Paige and Ashley along. Spinner is hanging out with Paige. Oh my god, they have the fun- that dialogue between each other? Oh my god. Okay, so like- <laughs> I hesitate to say dialogue because it's literally them talking at each other. <laughs> like, I just- like, it's just like- Spinner's just like- And then the guy says, your face is like a monkey's butt. I was like, oh, Paige, you, you sure bagged a winner. Like, Spinner seems sweet enough, but boy, that boy's dumb. Like, what? Like, I love it. I love, like, the whole, like, idea of people, like, talking at each other. And, like, you have Spinner doing, like, oh, yeah, like, the monkey's butt joke. And then you have Paige, like, what is even Paige? Paige is like, do you think Ashley's prettier than me? <laughs> and it's just, like, this really tropey thing that, like, definitely has existed as long as, like, teen dramas and rom-coms and stuff like that have existed, but, like, it's seriously, like, so funny to me every time. <laughs> it legitimately makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> like, the, the, the complete non-sequitur. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah, like, <laughs> it's just like, look at this couple, see how mismatched they are by how they just talk at each other. <laughs> it's just, like, really cheap, and yet it's it always gets me. It always tickles me. Um, I forget what Spinner even says. I think he's like, no, you're way prettier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like, oh, oh, what? No. Oh, and so, here's the joke. <laughs> like I said, it's just, like, really simple. I don't know why this was, like, one of the first moments in this series that, like, that we, since we've been watching it, that, like, legitimately made me laugh. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. Well, there hasn't been a whole bunch of, like, yeah. first two episodes were rough. The third episode had JT doing stand-up. The fourth episode was also pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, ooh. I mean, they're, they're trying to find their footing. It's the first season. It's, yeah, but it's not gonna be, like, last a minute when we're dealing with, like, body issues. Oh, and, like, like, predatory adults. It's true, it's true. I just, I think, like, once again, and this is why, like, it's important for me to do this podcast and hold myself accountable to the media that I consume. Because, like, at this point, every episode is just blurred together. It's just, like, a blob in my head. So, like, the genuinely funny moments of the series, like, I'm just like, huh, I don't know when any of this happened anymore. I remember laughing at X, Y, and Z, and I have no idea when X, Y, and Z happened. I mean, I feel the same way about Pretty Little Liars. Like, I remember Spencer jumping over a table to choke out Mona, and I'm just like, when did that happen, and why did it happen? I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, some things I can sequentially recall. Like, Friday Night Lights I can sequentially recall, but I think that's because it's bound by a football season. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're pretty good at being like, this is the beginning of the season. This is them trying to get to the playoffs. Now they're in the playoffs. Now they're in the championship. And, like, I feel like that timeline is necessary. Like, with Degrassi, like, it's nebulous. It's like, I assume this is the beginning of the year still. Yeah. Question mark. Well, I mean, it's like a lot of school shows, like, a lot of any show that has school in it, like, they're gonna drag out, like, the school year, so it's gonna seem, like, five times as long as it actually is. <laughs> like, yeah. Fall can be, like, 20 episodes. Spring's, like, another 10. Yeah, yeah, no, like, time is meaningless. At least in this season. Time (laughs) means nothing. My favorite time is meaningless is, uh, the show MASH, which went on for, like, 10 years. Yeah. They had 10 Christmases for a three-year war. (laughs) Oh my god, I forgot. It's been so long since I've even thought about MASH. It's, like, my mom's favorite show. I, I used to watch that... Like, on some vacations, I'd watch, like, they'd have, like, five episodes on a day, and then, like, three episodes of Law and & Order, and that's yeah. all I would watch during the summers when I was in high school. <laughs> that's valid. I feel like all I did was watch, like, Criminal Minds in Law and Order, Order SVU. Yeah. And, like, that's it. <laughs> and, like, that's all I remember from my summers when I was not at camp. <laughs> Super fun viewing. <laughs> like, yeah, real, real light viewing during the summer. But, um, so, let's talk about Emma's plot, because we have been dancing around it. So, uh, Emma's plot has, it, Emma is very angry about the News for Kids program. Yeah. Like, that they show whenever Ashley's not available to do the announcements. And it seems like some boo-boo garbage, but I remember this stuff from high school. Me too. Like, I didn't have the videos so much as, like, I had a lot of those kind of, like, newsletters and stuff. 
Yeah. And, like, not just, like, the scholastic news, but, like, I remember getting, like, weird stuff like that. Like, I don't know if this is, like, a... I, ugh. Anyway, go on. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, like, this thing, like, if you're within a certain age range, you'll remember, like, that adults would produce content, like, school video content, and it was just always bad. It was so yeah. cringy and awful. And this is just about as cringy and awful. And it talks about squeegee kids... Which, is that a thing in Canada? I, I actually don't... looked it up. It, okay. I did. Sorry, not to steal your, like... Please. Your question. Because I, I was curious. Because, like, my only frame of reference for squeegee people um, was the context of squeegee men in New York City, specifically, yeah. as, well, like, as talked about in Rent. So, like, especially because, like, when I was in high school... Um, I didn't know very much New York City history, and a lot of my New York City history references were musicals and movies and things like that. So, like, I had Rent as kind of my idea, which is really not great in hindsight. Um, so I was like, when I, when they got to the squeegee kids, of course, me, being a fool, was like, oh, uh, wasn't that only a thing in New York City? So, like, I decided to actually look it up. And apparently, like, it was a thing in Canada and was a thing around the time this episode came out. Um, sorry, I have to look at my notes. Um, so, like, squeegee kids was a thing that happened in Canada, um, and it was, um, common in Toronto, which is around where, like, Degrassi is filmed and presumably t is located near, um, and also in Vancouver, Calgary, and Winnipeg. Um, and, uh, for a while it was pretty much tolerated because it was like well at least they're trying to work like they're not just begging um and that's how a lot of like people rationalized it happening um and i'm just quoting what it is like this is you know there's a bigger discussion to be had about the treatment of people who are homeless um within this conversation or people who are who are jobless etc cetera, etc cetera. this is just how canada this is just how it was framed in the research that I saw. Um, so apparently in 1999, um, in, I think it was in Ontario, they passed the Safe Streets Act, which banned squeegee folks. Um, and the real reason with it was like, there was a lot of police monitoring after that point. Mm -hmm. So a lot of police would, like, there was a lot of like, police issues in relation to it um and because of it it basically scared people off from participating in it um but as you can imagine like it caused a lot of issues on like a human rights kind of level of like how these people were being perceived um the, you know the issues relating to um you know providing resources for people when they need them like there's a whole conversation to be had and of course uh, News for Kids takes the stance that, like, they're horrible, like, I can't remember the words that they used they, to describe these they people. They compared them to, I believe, roaches, or some yeah, kind of vermin. Yeah, yeah, no, it was like, it, it took the very, I guess, I, Canadian politics, I can't, you know, I can't remember what term exactly that they would use. It was, I guess for us U.S. viewers, the more conservative stance yeah. on um, how this would this you know how how these people would be perceived um and it was you know a very unfair kind of viewpoint of them um so emma naturally because emma were supposed to i mean they tried to kind of in the first episode set up because she cares about the environment and things like that like emma's gonna be the one in this cast that's gonna care about this type of stuff so obviously like she's very moved by it um so she tries to, like, get involved. But anyway, to kind of answer your question, yeah, the squeegee kids idea, like, this is a legitimate issue that was in Canada around this time period. Yeah, I mean, I just... The, the, like, I mean, Emma has a very good point, like, dehumanizing people to the point of, like, they're basically vermin is a crazy, awful idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's like... That's the thing about Emma's plot is, like, I feel like there's parts of it that were botched significantly, um, and I feel like, I feel like it should have been bumped up a little bit if they were gonna go and talk about it. Like, it felt like the fact that it was kind of like a throwaway kind of C-plot made it difficult for, for me to fully appreciate them talking about it. It felt like it should have been bumped to, like, a B-plot. I, I feel, feel like they could have just gotten rid of the page and Ashley thing. 
and just made the focus of these two plots because I felt I like agree. it would have been a, a lot better episode for it. I agree. I think it would have been able to really explore the importance of that plot. So, like, the thing about this plot is that, like, Emma has her perspective on it and she eventually finds out that the News for Kids segment and the reason why the News for Kids segment exists within the school is because the school has an agreement that if they show those clips periodically, um, they get funding specifically for the computers in the school. And they really emphasize this media immersion class that they talk about in the show. They introduced it in the first episode. We see Snake and he's the teacher of it. And it kind of comes to a head here because it says like, look, we have these really great computers. And the reason why is because of this program. Also, it's helping out all of these kids that don't have computers at home, which is still a big concern in education. Like, as things get more and more digital, as teachers become more and more tech savvy, and as administration puts pressure on teachers to stay digital, not every student has internet access or access to a computer. Um, and it is a really good conversation to have. Like, this stuff is important. And the viewpoint that we see this come in is in the form of Sean and his brother Tracker. Yeah. They're back. <laughs> um, Sean, like, so Emma, uh, the, the, the principal has this talk with Emma, and he's at first like, look, like, I, I did get the feeling that he was very like, yeah, look, I know the situation kind of sucks, but yeah, like, yeah. it's a necessary evil. Yeah, no, he really frames it like that. You can, he, he gives away an awful lot as an administrator. Usually administrators are a little more ambiguous. Yeah. Gotta stick with the party line. Um... So he's like, if you don't like it, write an opinion piece. And this is actually, I did like the principle for this. Where he's like, if you don't like this thing, take, here's, I'm going to teach you how to take the actions against it. Um, so she writes her opinion piece. We get a scene with, our, and that's where we first encounter Sean. Because, like, Sean's on a computer and she's like, we need the chair in me. And, he's, and Sean just does what Sean does, gets angry and storms out. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> Um, and they turn it in, or she turns it in, we get another scene with Liberty Van Zant taking things, once again, way too seriously. Yeah, but at least this one, like, <laughs> this was real. I'm sorry, like, I know this kid. Yeah. I know this kid. Like, every time, you know, as much as it's painful to see young Liberty, like, doing her thing, there's so much about her that I'm like, and she is probably one of the most, like, 7th grade 7th graders on this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, she, uh, the, during the Parents' Day, like, Tracker is reading the Parents' Day, like, bulletin that, mm-hmm. that Libby Van Zandt and this opinion piece are in, what Libby Van Zandt was working on and this opinion piece are in, and Tracker is just like, this is some, like, some nonsense. Yeah. And he's saying this as he walks by Emma, and I felt so bad for Sean in this moment. Oh my god, yeah. I, I felt yeah. really bad for Emma, but, like, also Sean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's, like, it's rough. Because, like, Tracker, Tracker has a good point. Like, Tracker brings up the point that, like, you know, if, like, this is a problem. Like, we don't have a computer. Sean needs those computers to be able to succeed. And even then, it's it's not the easiest, like... It's, and he brings up a really good point there where it's like, here's your physical example, Emma, of like why you need to like, you know, try and understand the reason why the school made the decision. But Tracker like goes off and like, I understand Tracker is frustrated and I understand that Tracker is probably dealing with a lot of stress as he is like taking care of his little brother, but like he goes off on this 12 year old. Yeah. Like you don't need to go that hard, Tracker. Yeah, like, oh, God, I'm trying to see if I, like, wrote down exactly what, what he said, like. He, he's, he says, looks, like, he crumples it oh, in front right of right now Emma. I remember. <laughs> he's like, looks like garbage now, smells like garbage, and, like, I think he, I can't remember if he hands it to her or throws it out, he's like, and now it is garbage. Yeah, like, it's really, I, once again, like, I understand his, his issue with this, but, like, Oh boy, that's a still a baby tracker. Like, <laughs> I know you're probably kind of a baby too. Like, you're probably not that much, not you know, you're probably definitely younger than me. <laughs> but like, oof, like, come on, dude. 
And it's like, oh, man, there's so many moments where, like, I felt so much for these kids. Um, but, yeah, like, no, I felt bad for Emma, especially when you're, like, a young writer. Like, there's something particularly traumatic about that. Like, oh, you wrote this. Oh, here's, like, somebody physically destroying what you wrote, saying that your opinion is garbage. But also, like, for Sean to have to deal with this, especially because, like, he's trying to, you know, he's trying to make a connection with Emma like, you know, while I may not always agree with some of Sean's decisions, yeah. you can tell he's trying to make a connection with Emma. They're trying to be something, and to have that kind of unfold in front of you, it... Ugh! Oh! Oof! But, like... And that's the thing. It's, like, I think the point that the... That that plot is trying to make is a really good and important one, especially because it shows... It shows classism in many ways. Um, and it shows... Um, a perspective that I think is really important to keep in mind, especially if you're talking about school politics, because schools, and I'm sure I could make this blanket statement because I'm, I'm going to assume that Canadian schools also suffer from this. Public schools suffer from, like, a lack of funding all the time. Mm -hmm. And they do have to cut corners or get involved in certain things or take donations from certain organizations all the time. Like, we hear in the news all the time about, um, like, the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation giving money to certain school districts or like zuckerberg also like giving money to certain school districts like it's school districts are desperate for money um and like it just felt like such an afterthought and like that was the part that kind of bummed me out about this plot in particular like i just really feel like it should have gotten more time to really be fleshed out and shine and um found more of a way for for all the characters involved to kind of get their feelings out there. Yeah, I feel like it's our first really great area plot line. Yeah. Like, the other three we've dealt with have just been like, oh, you know, like, there, there's no deline delineation between them. It's just like, one person is wrong, one person is right. Mm -hmm. And this one is just like, you make some tough calls and you make compromise where you can. Um... And sometimes people's feelings get hurt, but we gotta do what we have to do to... The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it could have been, like, a way bigger conversation. I just really... I feel like probably if they nixed that acting agent plot, it, it could have went somewhere. Um, which is a shame. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess we have... Now we have to jump at the main A plot. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> so... JT and Toby are going like the day before JT and Toby are going to school and the worst thing JT has to worry about is a D on a presentation he got which by the way like once again early in the school year we're already doing presentations oh my god <laughs> yeah um Toby is worried about the nuclear fallout that's going to arise mm -hmm. when his parents are in the same room together again um uh and they, like, they decide, JT and Toby come up with the plan that they're going to write a letter to Toby's parents saying there is no Parents' Day anymore. It was rescheduled or something. Or canceled. Oh, yeah. It was like, you don't have to come to Parents' Day. Like, Toby's doing great. <laughs> it's like something like that. It's like, there's no need. Everything you need to know is that Toby is the best. Come up with a better lie than that, Toby. <laughs> right, right. It's just like, ooh, we. I mean, like, once again, we have to maintain the idea that, like, you know, it's hard because, like, you you can tell, like, a lot of this you're supposed to be teasing and kind of laughing at JT and Toby's trials and tribulations. And it's, like, this really weird, like, thing where it's, like, you, you're supposed to kind of laugh at a lot of these circumstances. Like, yeah. you're supposed to be, like, kind of making, like, you, you're supposed to be, like, haha, this is kind of funny, oh no. But then it gets so heavy at the end that, like, trying to go back on it, like, I forgot how many, like, jokes are supposed to be woven <laughs> into this plot until you get to the last scene. It just makes, like, it actually makes me just so sad because, like, Toby is doing this, basically this little kid plan. Yeah. Yeah. To try and, like, stop this thing he doesn't want to happen happening. And it's just, it doesn't work, which I was really, like, I was like, this works. I'm calling bullshit on this show so fast. 
But it doesn't. Like, the dad instantly sees through it because apparently her, his teacher can't spell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's... I And, yeah, no, they... It, it, it blows up pretty spectacularly. And, like, I actually think that aspect of it is actually part of the episode I think was handled a little better. Yeah. Um, especially because, like, Snake... Snake actually reacts pretty... I think Snake actually handles a lot of this episode pretty well as a teacher. Yeah. I think that as somebody who has been in a similar situation, I actually think, like, he maintained, like, a pretty okay, like... You could tell he was trying to support Toby, even if he was disappointed in him. Mm -hmm. And I think that really comes to a head at the end, because Snake calls Toby out for that letter. (laughs) Like, it doesn't just get forgotten about, which I really appreciated. Um, And and Snake is, like, he's really... He kind of gave that tough love at the end, where he's like, you know, like, you gotta write me a paper by tomorrow. Ten pages. (laughs) Give it to me. I honestly, like... In that moment, I fully understood why Snake you know, eventually becomes the principal. Like, if I hadn't known that before, like, I know it now, because, like, he just shows all all the aspects of a leader. Like, mm-hmm. maintaining his integrity, but also being like, I'm very proud of you, but I have to stick to my guns. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was a very good moment of kind of showing firm, firm, like, firmness, but also showing support, which I think is, like, not to get super, like, pedagogy over here, but, like, I think that's what a good teacher is a lot of the time. It's somebody who makes clear what the standards are, but also advocates for you. The It's the Professor McGonagall from Harry Potter. I don't remember very much of Harry Potter, but I will say yes. Well, she, like, when they done well, McGonagall, like, McGonagall always had their kids' backs, but, like, when they screwed up, she's just like, I'm so disappointed in you. I yeah. expected better than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, like, that's the thing about teaching is, like, bad stuff happens to your students and sometimes that impacts you. Like, sometimes your kids are going to plagiarize and sometimes your kids are going to, like, in this case, like, I mean, it's pretty much plagiarizing. It's, like, you know, forging your signature and taking on your, you know, taking your on your persona and things like that. And, like, it sucks but a good teacher understands when, like, you know, understands you're still working with a kid. Yeah. And, like, that's the rough part. Like, especially with something like plagiarism, it, it personally offends me a whole lot. And, like, I've had to do a lot of growing up as a teacher to be able to go, like, you know what? I hate this thing, and it really upsets me when a student does it, but I still have to remember this is a kid, and this is a kid I'm going, I am responsible for. <laughs> yeah, you don't react like Tracker. You react like Snake. <laughs> Yeah, ideally, yeah, exactly. So, like, I really liked how, you know, the letter thing was ridiculous, haha, like, which, by the way, was kind of, like, it's also kind of, like, oh, no, like, as a teacher, I was, like, oh, no, Toby's a weak writer, like, (laughs) do his teachers, are his teachers supporting him, like, please tell me they're helping him out here, like, oh, God, but, like, I really, really liked, once again, like, you know, there were some clunky parts of that A-plot, but I think overall, especially toward the end of it, I think it, it ended on a really, really strong note. Yeah, because, like, and you, you can start seeing the seeds for the the inevitable confrontation when um, Toby's dad is just like, your mother doesn't want to be there. Classic her. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God, no, please. Yeah, I think I actually, like... Oh, man. No, the other thing, I I really made a note, specifically when his dad, like, when Toby's like, oh, yeah, mom's planning on coming or whatever it is, and his dad goes off, he's like, it's so like her that, like, she wouldn't tell me and things like that. Like, I legitimately got anxious. Like, I legitimately, like, like, froze up a little bit. Like, it really got under my skin. And, like, you know, like, like you said, like, the, I think there's a lot, you're beginning to see the flashes of greatness that Degrassi is capable of. And, like, yeah, it's a first season, it's rough, like, there's a couple moments, but there are some moments, particularly in this episode, that you can kind of see, like, that there can be some good stuff coming along the way from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. Um, so, they get there, um, Snake, for... Snake for the beginning of the 
Pre- oh, and like I did like the fact that Toby's mom's completely weirded out by Paige and Ashley. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "I love your outfit; it's so singular." And she's like, "Uh, thanks. Look, I I'm here on business." Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, oh man, read the room, girls. <laughs> Jeez. So they get there, and like Snake is just like, "All right, I'm just gonna do this business as usual," and then very clearly. Like, Snake's... Or, not Snake's mom. Like, <laughs> Snake's mom's there to, to evaluate him. I wish I, I wish I had a parental force helping me through Parents' Day. <laughs> um, anyway. And, like... You know, um, Snake mentions Toby cut a class. Um, didn't turn in an assignment, I think. And then, like, mm-hmm. Toby's mom is just like, this is why he shouldn't live. He immediately, like, just starts blaming... Toby's father and there's a moment where like it just goes quiet for Toby and it just becomes this white noise Mm -hmm. and I was like oh god he's associating I hate this like and then Toby just he's not ready for this confrontation to tell them they're both like they're both driving him up him he doesn't say to them what he says to JT and say so he's just like I screwed up it's nobody's fault but mine like I have to do this thing I'm gonna get better at it which by the way like kudos to Toby for like just being able to advocate for himself for that like yeah. that's such an extraordinarily hard skill for anybody at that age to be able to do um and there was something very like like I hesitate to say that it was real because I think like a lot of kids like maybe they're thinking it but it's really hard for them to say it but there was something really good from a storytelling perspective to have him be able to be like look like this is on me like it and like you know there's probably something that can be said about kids having to take the blame feeling the need to take the blame when it comes to divorce but i like that this was a moment where which was clearly like you know what he did screw up and it is on him to make up assignments and it is on him to make sure that he does things on time and like I don't know, it was, there's something about, that whole entire scene was so compelling to me. Like, just absolutely compelling. Yeah. Um, and that leads, like, the next day, that's when Snake is just like, hey, if you're gonna, like, do this thing, do it better. And then he's like, I'm really, so I'm thinking 10-page essay due tomorrow about why you shouldn't, like. I love that. Do it. But he's like, also, I want to say I'm very proud of you. <laughs> no, that was just so good. It was so good. Like, oh, that was really good. Sorry. I was just like, it's just like, it's not the thing about being a teacher. And I know we touched upon this like earlier in, in like when we were looking at episode one in particular, but like as a teacher, it's so hard finding good media of teachers. Yeah. It's extraordinarily difficult because usually teachers are antagonists in some way, shape or form. And it's just very nice to kind of have a teacher be on the like you know for the protagonist like being able to support them through a situation which is like what teachers should be doing so yeah it was good i was like yay okay (laughs) finally um so yeah uh and then my favorite moment though was uh as toby's mom is leaving Paige hands her a polaroid of herself Oh my god, so you can remember me? <laughs> Something like that. Something to that effect. She, like, you know what, Paige? Like, okay, Paige is a mean girl. And, like, we know this by now. But, like, Paige always delivers. Like, as a character, Paige always delivers. Like, it's just felt like Toby's mom's like, uh, are you hitting on me? What is going on? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no. But Paige, like, you know, say what you will about Paige, but, like, the gears are constantly moving in her head. Oh, boy. Like, ooh, oh, that's crafty. I love, like, I love Paige. Like, for better or for worse, I love her. Like, when she's mean, she's mean, but, like, at least she's entertaining. <laughs> Do you think Paige's, like, true dream is, like, the, um... I forget the name. The girl from Mean Girls. Did you ever see Mean Girls? Yeah, yeah. Or to be nominated or voted prom queen at a different school that she doesn't go to. Oh, absolutely. I feel like the Paige could actually pull it off. I feel like Paige could. Because here's the thing. It's like, like, Paige, like, I think the thing is, is like, some Mean Girls, like, they're portrayed in a way that, like, they, 
you know, they're very mean, but you, they're not necessarily the craftiest. Yeah. But, like, Paige is crafty. <laughs> like, Paige is manipulative. Paige is constantly moving and shaking. She is constantly doing, like, up to something. Like, she's someone that, that if given enough resources, <laughs> could easily win prom queen in a different school. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah, I I just really enjoyed. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really wondering like what became of that Polaroid. Oh my god! Please. I, I would have loved to see Toby's mom just like actually like Paige and Ashley go to the window to like watch Charlie and Paige and Toby's mom just throws the stuff in the garbage and keeps walking. Well. While that would have been really funny, we do have to make clear, like, the the retribution at the end of that plot is the fact that Terry gets, Terry gets the business card. Yeah. Yeah, Terry gets, gets noticed, which, I mean, there's definitely something that doesn't sit right with me after we spent a whole entire episode, like, with her having body image issues. Yeah. To then subject her to the lifestyle that acting and or modeling can provide. I also thought it was just, like, the show being like, oh, you know, you felt really bad for Terry? Well, we're gonna throw you a bone this episode. Yeah, yeah. I feel like as a... Looking on it, I feel like I would have appreciated a slightly cleaner or slightly less dogmatic ending to her episode than this. Yeah, like... I I don't want, like... I just, I want Terry to, like, be comfortable with herself. Not, like, yeah. for be, like for them to be like, look, the world is becoming comfortable with Terry. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. I want Terry to like herself. I think that is what I would find to be far more satisfactory. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that was this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Sorry, I'm still thinking about this Terry thing. Because then it also becomes, like, the punchline. I don't love that. Like, well, it, oh, but but she noticed the fat girl. Like, I don't love that. The more I think about it, the more uncomfortable I get with it. Yeah, because it, it just, it feels like such pandering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. It it feels very much like pandering um, as opposed to, like, I don't know. It just feels, it just feels like, ha-ha, and I don't love that. And it, Zing! Yeah, it, it, it's pandering, and it also feels unreal. Like, admittedly, it does feel unrealistic because, like, you're, you're like, you're right. Like, modeling and acting, those are worlds where, you know, lar- lar- larger people are not welcome that much. Like, you have to fight tooth and nail if you're not like drop dead gorgeous. Like, it sucks. It sucks especially for women, because, like, like most things. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. It's a kind of one of those things where the more you pick it apart, the more unsavory it gets. <laughs> and, like, man, I feel like this is just going to be the We Are Worried About Terry podcast. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping... I, I'm not going to make any predictions. I think the show is opening my eyes up to... That this, it can go anywhere, really. Yeah, nobody is allowed to, like, message us any spoilers for Frank. I feel like I have to preview everything before we look at it now. Okay. I'm so worried that people are just gonna send spoilers and just be like, oh, guess what? Like, I'm trying not to, I'm not spoiling, well, I'm trying my best not to spoil anything, so you all can too. Um, but yeah, no, that was that. Um, I guess we should just add the little cap off of Emma's plot, which is the kind of sweet email thing yeah. i loved that okay no i'm, I'm just laughing because it's just like the way they do email notifications in this show is oh yeah this, like giant email notification like you've got mail <laughs> it's just like ah, did, did emma go blind like what's going she on she has a big font up like she has a large print just so you know um <laughs> so sean um is sitting next to her in the computer lab again um and like he sends her an email apologizing for her bro- apologizing for his brother's um remarks which is kind of sad that he has to do it like you it know also probably is a full-time job for Sean yeah unfortunately cuz Sean just seems like a sweet kid like yeah yeah he's he's, he's... Sean oh, I have a soft spot for Sean I mean you'll see 
why over time, but like. <laughs> um, but like, they they have a nice another nice little moment where they're talking about it, and I, we close out on that, don't we? Well, no, we close out on Toby. Right. Because Toby is the A plot, so it always closes out on Toby. But, like, their plot actually ends kind of sweet. It's, like, one of those things where, like, they start with email and then they talk, which I love. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that kind of thing because I feel like it's also very realistic. Maybe not necessarily email, but, like, starting with a text message or messaging somebody when some when you have to say something heavy because you don't feel comfortable saying it in, like, verbally. It was really good. It was really sweet. So, like, I don't know. This episode's a mixed bag, but I think that there were some really good moments in it. Yeah, I, I'd give it, like, a B plus. Yeah, yeah, I think that there are... I, I would agree with that assessment. Um, I think there's some moments that definitely needed to be discussed, which we did. But I think that it's beginning to kind of figure out what it's trying to do. I think that the first few episodes, you could definitely sense the growing pains. But I think that we're beginning to see flashes of good stuff, which is encouraging because we're stuck with this for a very long time. <laughs> well, it's just, like... I mean, that's the, that's the difference between this and, like, other media. Is, like, a movie, it's worked on, you put it out there, and that's it. But, yeah. like, a TV show like this, it's, like, the writers are probably still writing while the episodes are airing, and they're still filming while the episodes are airing, so they're gonna change in reaction to what's happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I guess we'll just, we'll do our usual closing out uh, ceremonies. First off, character rankings! Frank, did anyone shift during this episode? Snake jumped to the top of the list. Woo, Snake! <laughs> and wait, also, do they use a different actress for Spike? No, I don't think so. Because there's that person that, oh, or there's that person next to Emma, like, when Trucker's yelling at her. I didn't recognize her. Spike stuff. I thought Spike was the same. Oh, maybe I just not remember Spike. Um, anyway, um, I like um, I like Emma becoming a little social activist. Um, I like Sean for being uh, a sweet boy. Um, Where's Toby's ranking now? Because Toby lost a lot of ground. <laughs> I feel bad for Toby. Like, so he's cr he's cl climbing back up the ladder. Um, JT is remaining at the bottom. <laughs> like, I get it. You're an awkward, like, wannabe stand-up comedian, but I can't stand the scenes you're in, JT, when you're doing that stuff. You need to grow up. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, Terry is remaining the same. Paige is still remaining pretty high for her wheeling and dealing. <laughs> um, Spinner... <laughs> <laughs> Spinner, my sweet and tender chunkhead. <laughs> um, you're, you're middle of the rank, I guess. Middle. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Toby's parents are bottom feeders. Um, <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Ashley remains the same. Uh, still pretty high. Did I hit anybody? Uh, Liberty Van Zandt's still in the middle of Spinner. Like, I don't feel bad for Liberty Van Zandt, but I also find her a bit annoying. They haven't even, like, they, Manny's in it, but, like, once again, Manny's so underutilized. I'm, like, waiting. I'm, like, waiting for a Manny plot. Like, where's that, where's that, like, craftiness that we saw in the second, in the third episode? Yeah, God, I just, I love her. I can't believe it takes so long for her to, like, start doing stuff in the series. Because I feel like she has, like, an intelligence level to... S I feel like it, like... I feel like it's, like, those old Marvel trading cards where they'd be, like, power this and intelligence that. I feel like, like, Paige and Manny's intelligence would be, like, an eight together. Yeah, they both gosh. know how to work the system. <laughs> I just... Ah, hopefully. Hopefully we'll get some Manny soon. Um, I guess... I think that's all the characters, more or less. Uh, so I guess we'll go to recommendations. Yeah, I had the one for the um, school commercialization thing, um, the Fizz Ed episode of Daria. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. It ends with the principal running through the school, like, axing soda machines. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is, my name is Miss Lee. I 
the pr- the principal of Lawndale High. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I, I think it's just like that was the focus of the episode, so it's just a way better episode. Um, and it's I it's, takes it in a lighter route, but I think we can all use that after this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And with the divorce thing, honestly, I have to go, Mrs. Doubtfire. I still love that movie. I know, like confession. <laughs> like, I meant, like it's just like it's like there's the whole like oh Robin Williams funny voices oh he's you know he's Mrs. Doubtfire, but then there's like just this realness to the divorce like yeah proceedings, and like I don't know if you knew this like the studio originally wanted to get the parents back together and then Robin was like no they have to stay apart because we can't yeah. give false hope to kids. Yeah, I think. So, like, a lot of, like, me learning about lives and families and structures that are not, like, my own, like, were a combination of, like, Hey Arnold and, like, Mrs. Doubtfire was how I learned about divorce, I feel like. I feel like that was the movie that taught me that. And, like, you know, are there things that can be unpacked in 2018? Absolutely. Um, You know, there's certainly conversations that can be had about how the plot is and its regards toward gender but there's something very emotionally real about it that I think is why, like, I still enjoy it. Yeah. Like, there's something very real about how it handles divorce and how it impacts everybody involved. Like, the scene I remember most clearly is, like, I think the kid's like, we'll go out, we'll go downstairs and wait for mom. And, like, Robert Williams just yells at them. He's like, my time isn't over with you. And it's just like, oh that's not great (laughs) yeah yeah no it's 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 rough it's understandable but not great yeah yeah so like you know obviously like if that's something you want to sit out because of some of the handlings of uh some of the topics of cross-dressing and gender like that's understandable but if you don't mind kind of visiting or revisiting that like definitely some of the emotional truths to divorce i think are very apparent in that one yeah Um, my recommendation's a music recommendation. Um, I couldn't really think of anything off the top of my head that I thought perfectly fit some of these plots. Um, but I have been listening to an album quite a bit that does kind of talk about parents and the relationship with parents a little bit, but mostly it's just a really good album. So I'm really into this band called Camp Cope. Uh, they're a band based out of Australia, but they're doing some tours in the U.S. Um, and are currently, are, are either currently touring or about to start touring in the U.S. Um, pretty soon. Um, and they actually released an album pretty recently, which is called How to Socialize and Make Friends. Um, it's really good. Um, if you're someone who's interested in finding music that is being done by people with a different perspective in the music scene, you're tired of some of the um, issues um, issues happening within it, uh, Camp Cope is not afraid to call a lot of predators in the music scene out. Um, and they do that. Like, they're out swinging in this album, and they call out a lot of behavior in the music scene um, that is absolutely unforgivable. Um, so not only do they do that on a lyric in, like, a lyrical sense, it's very compelling, but also musically, it's just a very good album. There's some discussions of parents and the relationship with parents in there, um, but overall, it's just a really good album. There's, like, I think nine songs on it, and it's just a very powerful, like, track-by-track experience. So definitely recommend checking that out. Not quite purely a great recommendation based on this episode however um if you want to listen to something and you're getting stuck on finding something new definitely check out camp cope their first album is also really really good i was i was gonna date this episode and say kanye is currently on some bullshit but i feel like when we do eventually release this episode it's gonna remain true kanye's gonna still be on some bullshit why what's going on now (laughs) kanye is just like Kanye came out and said, like, 400 years of slavery, that sounds more like a choice. Oh, are we just talking about that? (laughs) Oh, and plus the whole, I support Trump thing. Kanye, what is going on? (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, are we just, what brought that up? (laughs) No, well, you're saying calling out people in the music scene. Oh, yes, well, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. While while we're at it. Um, But, anyway. uh... (laughs) Sorry, I want to also say this, I... System of a Down is recording a new album. Really? Which they haven't, I, they haven't done, I think, in, like, near a decade. Year is it? I don't know what year it is. We're doing a Degrassi podcast. System <laughs> of a Down's making music. Well, my friends and I were saying, like, like, Serge Tarkin saw that, like, Trump was president, and then he, like, climbed the stairs to the loft that all the members of System of a Down share, and he's just like, wake up! Trump's president, we gotta make a little album! 
God. All right, we got we got to cut this off. Anyway, um, thank you very much for listening in. Of course, if you have anything that you would like to share, um, which is not spoilers, uh, feel free to communicate with us on our various ways of reaching us, social media, email, etc., um, which you can find at the bottom. Um, right? The bottom? That's what they call it? All, it's, all in the, it's all in the episode description. That, yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening in. Uh, whatever it takes, we hope we can make it through, and we hope that you're with us during this experience. We hope you're with us till the end. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. Good night. to do when it's five to two.